You're listening to the All Truth is God's Truth program. In God's creation, all truth belongs to Him. Therefore, as Christians, we must connect all truth back to our triune God in light of His inerrant Word and His creating, sustaining, and redeeming work. I'm your host, Jared Moore. Amen. Brother Kenny's singing about the immutability of God, that He's unchanging. And uh, with all the change that's in our lives, it's helpful to know that God is unchanging. Life's really a roller coaster. If you'll join me in your copy of God's Word, flip over to 1 Corinthians 10. <coughs> and this is our last, uh, last sermon in our series on conscience. Remember that conscience is uh, it's the inner court in our hearts that, that hold us accountable to what we believe. But our consciences are only as good as the information they have. And so if you don't know something is wrong, you won't feel bad for being a part of it. Or if you don't know something is good, you won't feel good for being a part of it. And so you need to inform your conscience well with Scripture. And the Holy Spirit will apply it to your conscience so that you can mature in your faith, mature in your relationship with the Lord. Uh, we need to pick up the Bible and read it and seek to understand it and um, labor to do that. So think of your conscience as <clears throat> if you've ever played a, a new sport or a new game and you don't know the rules at the beginning, you think about what you feel bad for, what you, you know, you may accidentally cheat or accidentally break a rule. But once your conscience is informed with the rules, then you're corrected and you follow the rules then. I still really ain't figured out in soccer what offsides is. I think you can't run ahead. It seems so easy to just stand next to the net and kick the ball in. But uh, but evidently that's illegal um, in soccer. And so we need to make sure that our consciences are informed well. In this final sermon, I just want to give us some principles about how to, um, basically, how to, how to live in this world. Because there are some who, who apply this, and they end up restricting themselves so much because there might be somebody out there that they might offend. And so they don't eat meat, they don't wear, you know, they don't dress Normally, they don't, you know, they, they put all these restrictions on themselves and it stifles their freedom in Christ. And so we don't want to do that, but we also don't want to needlessly offend. And so it's really kind of like walking a tightrope. And so the goal needs to be do it all to the glory of God. And this is the, this is the goal of all living. Everything in the Christian life is meant to be for God's glory. So contrary to popular belief, Christianity is not about us. It's about God's glory. It's not about, you know, it's not about us. It's not about what God does for us primarily. Um, It's about God's glory. God's glory. And so that's what we must live for. That's what we must live for. So God doesn't live for us. We live for God. It's interesting. You hear folks uh, 
false teachers especially when they read the Bible, they always end up with an interpretation that they like, that they enjoy. Because when they read the text, they just see they see themselves smiling back at them instead of seeking to understand what God said through his prophets and apostles in Christ. And so when we study the scriptures, it's about God's glory. And worship is about God's glory. <clears throat> so it's not about us. It's not about how we feel, whether or not we like it, any of those things. It's about God's glory. It's amazing how uh, commercialized worship ser- services have become to where they're, they're like uh, rock concerts with fog and lights and a lot of things are meant to induce a certain feeling in individuals when it needs to be about God's glory. You know, if you go back and look in the minutes of this church and other churches, <coughs> you'll find that whenever people were, whenever the air conditioning systems came out, that churches would debate on whether or not to put them in because they didn't want people <coughs> being so comfortable that, um, that it became about, about them. And you heard, them, you heard them argue, they argued about... Um, like our gymnasium with the kitchen in it. They argued about eating on the grounds. I mean, all those things used to be debates because it was over this issue where, you know, is it about our comfort or is it about God's glory? Now I believe we can have all these things, right? So long as it's about God's glory. So long as it's about God's glory. The main thing's got to say the main thing. So 1 Corinthians 10, we're looking at verses 23 through 33. And the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Remember, they worshipped uh, false gods there in Corinth, worshipped Aphrodite. And um, if you're going to buy meat in Corinth, the best place to get it was from the temple. So they would sacrifice and worship to this false god. The priests would take their, their portion of the meat, and they'd sell the rest to survive. And so some of the best meat that you could get in Corinth would be meat that had been offered to a false god. And so that, that became a debate. People were saved out of this false religion, out of worshiping Aphrodite. And they come and they're worshiping Christ. And now they're, some of them felt like, well, if I eat that meat offered to idol, then I'm participating in idol worship again. And other Christians realized their freedom, and they were saying, look, the meat is not tainted. God owns it. You're freeing Christ to eat it. And so this was a debate in the early church. The Apostle Paul says in verse 23 that all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And so we do all things to the glory of God because, well, it's helpful and encouraging. All things are lawful just means that all things not against the law, and by law we're talking about the Old Testament law. All things are lawful. There's therefore now no clean or unclean distinction for foods. You know, in the New Covenant, Christians are permitted by God to eat anything. But not all things that are lawful are helpful. And all things are lawful, but not all things build up or encourage others. So our goal shouldn't be our our stomachs in eating and drinking. Even though we are free in Christ to eat and drink, the goal should be to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the great things about the gospel is you're free from the commandments of men. 
But we are not free to take this, uh, this freedom too far and harm our brothers and sisters. Instead, we need to be willing to limit our freedom for the sake of encouraging and building up our brothers and sisters. So we do all things to the glory of God by being helpful and encouraging and also by exalting our neighbors above ourselves. You see this in verse 24. Let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. So our eating and drinking right, should be done in such a way that we help to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ instead of tearing them down. And So if you have a brother or sister in Christ who believes it is wrong to eat meat that's offered to an idol, then when you're around them, you do not need to eat meat that's been offered to an idol. But when you're not around them, you can eat whatever you want. You can enjoy your freedom in Christ from the commandments of men. But we need to be willing to limit our freedom so that we can build up our brothers and sisters. Because remember, the weaker brother is the one who... The weaker brother is the one who will submit to your conscience instead of his own, <clears throat> right? So he believes it's wrong to eat meat, but he sees you eating meat, looks up to you, and so he goes and eats meat with you and sins against his own conscience and therefore sins against God. Anytime you sin against your conscience, you sin against God because God has given your conscience to be a guide, and if you're saved, he's given you the Holy Spirit to inform your conscience with the Word of God to guide and direct you. And if you tell your conscience to be quiet, it will be. You cannot compartmentalize it. If you tell it to be quiet about one issue, it's going to be quiet about all of them. <clears throat> A scary thought is to think that people who have committed heinous crimes in this country, all it is is a seared conscience. Someone who has told their conscience to be quiet. And eventually it was. In other words, if you and I tell our consciences to be quiet like them, we would be capable of committing the same acts that they did. So we exalt our neighbors above ourselves. And not only that, but we do not seek the world's approval. He says in verse 25, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. All right, so if you, go and, if you lived in Corinth and you went and bought this meat, you wouldn't ask where it came from in the meat market. You're just buying meat. <coughs> Similar to when you go to the store here, most of us probably do not ask where the meat came from. We just go and buy the meat and we eat it. We don't even think about whether or not it's, you know, whoever, we don't know if anybody has been sacrificing it to pagan gods before it gets to us or not. We don't ask the question. Paul says you don't have to ask the question. It doesn't matter where it came from because God is the one who gave the meat. So God owns all things before someone takes it and says they own it. So God <coughs> made the animals, and now these pagans are taking these animals and sacrificing them to false gods. Well, God still owns the meat. It doesn't taint the meat. He says in verse 26, For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So all these things belong to God, so you don't have to ask where they came from. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. So in the previous weeks, we were talking particularly about our brothers and sisters in Christ, not, not, not needlessly offending their consciences. Well, now he starts talking about unbelievers. Like, how are we supposed to act around unbelievers? Well, we need to labor in such a way that we don't needlessly offend unbelievers. 
Paul said that he became all things to all men that he might save some. And so there are some distinctions here that we need to look at. So if a non-Christian invites you to dinner and you want to go, you're freeing Christ to go and eat whatever they put in front of you without asking any questions about where the meat came from. Right? You, you don't have to ask where it came from. Right? So we don't have to worry about the world's approval of us. But also he says that we need not needlessly offend or wound people's consciences. You see in verse 28 through 30. So you're eating at this unbeliever's house. And he says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice. Paul says, then do not eat. For the sake of the one who formed you, informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. So if this unbelieving friend gives you meat and then tells you, hey, this has been offered to an idol, then you do not need to eat it because they might think that you're participating in idol worship <coughs> or participating in pagan worship. You know, and one example of this, and these are the distinctions that I'm talking about. So, in Acts 16, the Apostle Paul, he has Timothy, Timothy who was a, a Greek, he has him circumcised as an adult so that they can go and share the gospel with Jews in the area, so that Jews would listen to the gospel, he had Timothy circumcised as an adult. Now that's becoming all things to all men. But what's interesting, if you look at Acts 15 and Galatians 2, Paul did the opposite with Titus. He told Titus not to be circumcised because there were false teachers who were coming in and saying, in order to be a Christian, you have to be circumcised. And so, <clears throat> when we're talking about issues of conscience, we never bow down to false teaching. But we do limit our freedom so that people will hear the gospel. You know, if you were going to go to some unreached people group, and all the men had, had this piercing in their nose... And you had to, in order to be heard by them, you must get this piercing in your nose. Then you'd better get the piercing. You're no better or worse if you don't. Most of you have pierced ears anyway. <coughs> and so that's what he's talking about. We're, we're limiting our freedom for the sake of the gospel. But if false teachers say, you have, you know, if a false teacher comes and says, you have to eat this meat in order to be saved, well, then we're not going to eat it. So we're going to combat the false teaching. But if that same person says, you know, would you eat, if you'll eat this meat, I'll listen to the gospel. Then eat the meat. And so you're becoming all things to all men, but you're not kowtowing to false teaching. So if I was going to try to reach Jews today, I would learn all their feast days, and I would learn what they eat and what they don't. 
I would not try to, if I was trying to reach Muslims, <clears throat> I wouldn't invite them over and feed them ham. You know, there are certain things that, dietary things. When I was on a trip uh, at this author thing, there was a Mormon who was staying with us, and um, he went to McDonald's, said, hey, do you want anything? And I had him buy me some coffee. And Mormons don't drink caffeine. And I'd forgotten that. And he came back and he gave it to me. And he was telling me later, he said, well, that's like the third time in my life I've ever bought coffee. <clears throat> Which was surprising. But, you know, if you're trying to reach people, those are things that you would want to know so you don't needlessly offend them. Because you could quickly offend someone. It's similar. You saw it uh, there were several years ago. There was a fellow here in, in our country who was talking about burning. He was talking about burning the Koran. And um, one of the reasons that was so, that would be the equivalent for us, someone setting fire to Jesus, because they believe the Koran is salvation. And those who are devout don't even believe it should be translated into English at all. And so you think about needlessly offending folks. That it wouldn't be helpful to do that if you're wanting to reach Muslims with the gospel. So in verse 29, he, he didn't mean the Christian's conscience, but the person's conscience who told him it was offered to an idol. In verse 30, Paul asks this rhetorical question. If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? And again, an idol is nothing. And a meat that is offered to an idol doesn't contaminate the meat. However, if an idolater offers you meat offered to an idol, he may think you're participating in worshiping that false god. Or he might think that you're just not a faithful or devout Christian. And so in order to come against that, Paul says, don't eat it. And finally, the fifth point, we do all things to the glory of God by limiting our freedom for God's glory and the salvation of many. So in verse 31, Paul says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, which by the way, that, that's everybody, right? Don't offend anyone is what he says. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. You know, the goal is always God's glory, and our freedom in Christ must be used to glorify God rather than to needlessly offend unbelievers. And we must eat and drink for the glory of God. You know, eating and drinking, that's basic humanity, right? Everyone eats and drinks. Y'all are probably hungry or thinking about eating and drinking here in a minute. <clears throat> we think about eating and drinking a lot. And so if those basic foundational things to live are to be done for God's glory, that means everything is to be done for God's glory. In the small things, the big things, everything. You'll know what your purpose in life is. It's to glorify God. That's what our purpose is. And you can do that through digging ditches. You can do that through, you know, working in an office. You can do that through construction. You can do that through, I mean, just through anything that is God glorifying. And so whatever it is, there, there are no small jobs. If it can be done for God's glory, it's worth doing. 
Paul told the Corinthians not to needlessly offend the Jews or the Greeks or the church. So we have to take responsibility to learn the customs of the people we're trying to reach with the gospel. Again, it's not about, okay, I have to learn every religion in the world so I don't needlessly offend someone. No, if you're, you know, if you're living in a house and you, you learn that your next door neighbor is a Muslim, it would be good to learn about Islam. You know, if your next door neighbor is a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, it would be good to learn what they believe, what they emphasize, so that you don't needlessly offend them, but also so you might encourage him or her to see the beauty of Christ. I mean, so with Islam, they, they argue that he's a prophet. The problem is, is that he has not left us that option. He didn't say he was a prophet or a good teacher. He said he's the son of God. He says he's going to judge everyone. I mean, he, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like he, <clears throat> but they, they say, whenever I, I was witnessing to a Muslim back in, when I lived in Hickson, and he was at the mall, and he was telling me we respect Jesus more than anyone. But and the problem is, is that if you're rejecting him as God the Son incarnate, you do not respect Jesus. He has not left you the option that he's just a prophet. And so in verse 33, Paul tries to please everyone. Now think about this, in everything he does. So he does not needlessly offend them. Now Paul was pretty blunt when it came to the truth. But concerning these other things, like if you go, so with Timothy, with Timothy, though it caused him some pain, he was willing to limit his freedom and get circumcised that circumcision did not help him in any way with his relationship with God. But it did give him an avenue through which to, to witness to the Jews and share the gospel. So he was willing to do it. So we need to be willing to do similar things. Perhaps it's, you know, perhaps it's, uh, you know, we have to limit our freedom concerning what we eat. Or we, we may even have to, I mean, again, if you're witnessing to, to a tribe and all the men have a a certain piercing, you may need to get that piercing so that you can share the gospel. But the purpose is ultimately God's glory, not our freedom. Not our freedom. So our freedom is subservient to God. And actually everything, we, we often hear that, you know, the plans that God has for us, but we need to emphasize God's plan and that we get to be a part of his plan. So instead of emphasizing God's plan for us, we need to emphasize God's plan and join him. It's about his glory. It's about his plan. And we can either be a part of it. Well, let me say it this way. Everybody's part of God's plan. Everybody in the world. The question is, is are you part of God's plan concerning being his people for all eternity? Or are you part of his plan experiencing his wrath for all eternity? Everybody's part of God's plan. We just plead with folks to join his plan that ends in eternal life for them. And so my prayer here is that everybody here <coughs> is trusting in Jesus, that you would get to enjoy the salvation that I enjoy. If I had to stand before God... With my works and my righteousness, I would go to hell in a heartbeat. I would not get in. 
But if I stand before him clothed in the righteousness of his son, then I cannot be turned away. And you won't be either. So if you'll trust in Jesus, he will save you. And he will make you more like himself every day until finally he finishes what he started in you. And he takes you home. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to come and enjoy Christ. Come and be saved. If you are a Christian, I want to encourage you to cling tightly to the Lord. To ask, how must you live as a result of what you've learned today? I'm all in.